you go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family... Look for delicious Kroger brand products because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Play action, pass up the middle, and it's intercepted. Amukamara has it. Try the left side, cut back to the end zone. Touchdown, New York. Beckham on the line of scrimmage, and they're going down to him, and he snags it for the touchdown. Down the field, and Randall off the rebound for the touchdown. Those were the dulcet tones of Jim Nance on the call for Redskins-Giants on Thursday Night Football. I'm Greg Rosenthal. I'm sitting with Chris Wesseling. We're going to start this podcast off talking about the Thursday Night Football game, and then we'll send it uh, to the whole gang, who, and we'll break down all the week three games, but let's just start with this one. Not a pretty game. Giants win it 32 to 21. Chris Wesseling, your, your first thoughts. A game only Odell Beckham's mother could love. <laughs> it is it is annoying that the Giants in this game in general have turned even Odell Beckham into a tough watch because the rest of his team not too exciting. I think the difference in the game was Kirk Cousins. Yeah. He actually Matt Jones fumble was huge and then Kirk Cousins two interceptions and not just the turnovers, but the lack of arm strength on a couple of throws and then not being able to hit Jordan Reed on two would-be touchdowns, he just he, – it was a mistake-filled game for him. Well, I read some puff piece that his teammates now believe that Kirk Cousins no longer gets bothered by early mistakes. You know, he kind of has the reputation of a guy, if something goes wrong early, it snowballs. And I was thinking, well, what what has really gone wrong for him so far this season that he would be able to prove that? In the first game, they scored 10 points. Right. It's not like he played that well. Last week, he had a clean game, and that's exactly what happened in this game. He threw a tentative pass that was picked off by Amukamara. They fell down 9 nothing. Uh, and Phil Sims commented on it. He didn't throw confidently the rest of the night. I mean, he was inaccurate. A lot of his completions weren't accurate, if that makes any sense. He didn't really lead his receivers. In um, the arm strength thing, I, I didn't notice it as much in the past, but tonight it was an issue. Right, and may, maybe it was just footwork in terms of today. He was not set at all, and I, I agree with you. I think that the biggest difference was Eli Manning had a very clean game, really has been similar. I, I think other than the mental mistakes, all three games this season, they've turned him into 
uh, a younger, inferior, boring version of Peyton Manning, where it's mostly just dink and dunk. And He's thr- always been a younger, inferior, well, more but boring the, version of Peyton. At least he used to throw it deep every once in a while and and kind of go for the you know high risk passes, which was not like Peyton. But now it's it's just quick passing. You know, throw it four yards on third and eight, and hope your guy breaks a tackle. But he did it well tonight. Uh, had a nice throw to Odell Beckham for the touchdown. They put it away enough in the fourth quarter. The, the, the final score was very misleading because for most of this game, it was one-sided and, and not very filled with a lot of offense. It was 25-6, to six, it seemed like, in the middle of the fourth quarter. And then it ended up 32-21. But, yeah, the, the ending of the game was crazy. And Kirk Cousins ends up with 315 yards, the oh most meaningless – 300-yard performance maybe I've ever seen. It's one of the worst ones ever. It, yeah. does, it does show how meaningless that 300 number is, most of it in garbage time. But even earlier in the game when he was getting some yards, he wasn't finishing drives. I will give a little credit to, uh, you know, my nemesis, Steve Spagnolo. <laughs> oh, he did. In the, the Giants defense, not, not much. But uh, they've played decent team defense, I would say, through three weeks, considering the lack of of talent. And I, I think their strategy is to be like the Cowboys a year ago, possess the ball, these long, slow, boring drives, and just be okay on defense. And that's basically what they've did, done so far. Their defense has given them a chance to win all three games. I think it's the only strategy they can have. Yeah. Because of their personnel, it's just so limited on defense, they have to do that. I won't really remember this game for much other than Cousins taking a step back. The Redskins as a whole taking a step back after a promising first two weeks. Uh, they're one and two. The Giants are one and two. This doesn't make me think the Giants are some great team. But winning ugly in the NFC East might be enough. I mean, maybe they can hang around in this in this NFC East race. Uh, yeah, it looks like, you know, I don't want to discredit the Cowboys, but they are going to be a Brandon Whedon-led team. The, again, this division is wide open. Maybe eight and eight will take it. Oh my gosh! Well, that's that's a lot to look forward to. We got a lot more exciting games to talk about coming up this week, and for that, I'm gonna send it uh, to the best hair on the West Coast, Dan Hansis. The Around the NFL podcast celebrates good times. Come on! Welcome back to another edition of the Around the NFL podcast. My name is Dan Hansis, and I am joined by a room filled with heroes. Mark Sessler, Chris Wessling, and Greg Rosenthal. What's up, boys? Hey, Dan. Happy Thursday to you. Do we need more drops? I was just thinking that. Same. Yeah, we've, I've heard that about 12 times. Well, it's our own fault. We became so lazy that we don't do any of them ourselves anymore, basically. And then we're actually so lazy we keep forgetting to even ask the listeners to do it for us. So send them in at hashtag money tags. I'll collect. We'll collect them over the weekend. We'll have money uh, get into the studio. Greg, life week. tip. Don't blame yourself. Blame someone else. <laughs> Mm-hmm. deflect and get it out there, get it on someone uh, else's back. Best case, someone like beneath you, either within the sure. office structure sure. or just you know societally, and then usually it will work out well for that person. This is the <laughs> Thursday, late Thursday, early Friday edition of the Around the NFL podcast. You just heard uh, the old B team, Wes and uh, Greg, uh, do uh, a recap of Giants-Redskins Thursday night. So you got that in the tank, and now we got Sunday and Monday football, and we got a lot of games to get to. Greg, B for uh, Bafo. Keep filibustering <laughs> so they can't respond to the B, B team for comment. Beautiful, I don't know. Um, <laughs> Greg, there are 32 teams in the league. Yeah, there are no buys this week. For the last time, uh, well, not the last time, but for the <laughs> last time in the first three weeks, and uh, that means there are 16 what? games, <laughs> and uh, 16 games, one on Thursday, done. 15 to talk about. 
That that was a long. That was like young game. Bob Costas shining through right there. <laughs> so we're going to get into all the games, and uh, you know, we might mix in some of our patented "What's More Likelys." That's always fun. It's the Thursday show, that, right, Wes? As Chuck Pagano would say, I mean that it's not trigonometry, Dan. You, know trigonometry. you have Wes just beguiled at this point. I'm I'm almost <laughs> feeling for Wes. So I don't know. You want to talk about some football? It's the Thursday show. Please. It's the Thursday show. So let's talk about some games, all right? And we'll start off in a great place, the AFC North. A lot of competitive football in the AFC North. And we got a big game between the undefe- undefeated Cincinnati Bengals, who are looking really good, uh, and they're taking on the Baltimore Ravens, who are 0-2, desperately need to avoid an 0-3 start. Uh, so we have a winless team against an undefeated team. Something's got to break, right, Greg? No. I mean, the, the Bengals could win, and the Ravens can lose, and then something doesn't break. And you're, by the way, your season's over. Well, the Ravens if break if that happens, right? Well, I guess that's true. The Ravens would break, and uh, I think I think they're the underdogs in this game because I think what we've seen out of Cincinnati has been impressive. It doesn't mean it's going to keep up every week, but Andy Dalton's mixing in some highlight throws, uh, which you normally don't don't see. Uh, just the, the offense that they had that Wes has been talking about offseason, the, the ability to have Jeremy Hill get benched and Gio Bernard comes in there, and now you got Marvin Jones making plays and Tyler Eifert's really fighting for the ball. It's just, it's just a lot to deal with and a pretty good defense too. Gio Bernard topped my top ten list this week of the best satellite backs in the NFL. What is a satellite back, Wes? Well, it's a phrase started by Bill Parcells to describe Dave Meggett back in the late 80s. It's not a compliment. It's about a back who's in space, hence satellite, outer Ooh, space. Gotcha. You, he needs space to operate because he can't really power through tackles in tight spaces. So, you know, Reggie Bush was one of the proto-satellite backs. Sproles. Sproles. Yep. Deion I, Lewis. Although I have to say on Bernard, I don't know if he's been lifting weights or what, but they had him running up the middle a couple times. He was breaking tackles. He was he dragging looked really some good. defenders. And he, he, can, he can do it all. It's a, what an amazing combination. Doesn't that, that fly is. in the face of a satellite back if he's going through a line? And well, for the most part, that is how he wasn't used. used like a satellite back in week two because Jeremy Hill was benched, so he was, he was running. You had no Hill's choice. Yeah. I, I well, was, why, so does that concern you that Hill was benched? I mean, Not at all. It was, it, it, was, it was ball control issues, right? Right. He was benched for fumbling. I I mean, that one happens. Of them, that's Hugh Jackson, though. Like he's he's lighting a fire. I mean, he lost he lost both of them, and one of, one of them was on a pitch. I mean, Look, he's still not a bit of a fluky fluky. He's play. not as valuable as a guy like Deion Lewis, so sometimes you have to pull him <laughs> off the field. I had a wow. I, I had a rough um, picks week last week. I went six and ten. It's not something that I'm proud of. A lot uh, of people were talking about that, Dan. Yeah, a lot of buzz in the air. But I will say this: that sandwich is going to be good. I know that. I know that. Whatever, Wes, you're going down, baby. I know that. The Baltimore Ravens have been an excellent franchise for years upon years, and they are not going to lose in their building to go in three against the Bengals of all teams. This team, this is nearly a lock of the week mm. for a guy coming from a guy that went six and ten. But I feel <laughs> really confident Take it for that what it's this worth. game is uh, going to be a Ravens victory, the first one of the year. I'm with you because we just it's not been in Baltimore's DNA to start a season 0-3. They just don't do it. Now, does that mean that it can't happen? Of course, no. This, they did not look good against the Oakland Raiders, and Oakland has more pieces on offense than last year's Raiders, but the Bengals are like the Raiders times three. So how does Baltimore suddenly find a way to slow down that kind of an offense? That said, 
we look at Balt we look at Cincy's offense and we haven't gotten that Andy Dalton game that pops up every four or five contests. That can happen in an away stadium. Brashad Perryman returned to practice this week, so that's something to keep an eye on. The Ravens could certainly use some more weapons. Wes, if uh, and we all picked the Ravens with the exception of uh, Kevin Patra. Mm. Who is and leading the picks, by the way. Leading the picks so far. Greg has not made any picks. That's a hero he abandoned pick. us. Uh, it was a hero pick. Now it's over. <laughs> hey, Wes, if the Bengals go 3-0 and and they bury the Ravens in the process, where are you on the peace scale? It's already, what, eight? Eight and a half. Uh, I think it would move up to probably a nine. Wow. Yeah. Probably because this division is going to be won by a nine and 17. They play the NFC West as well. They eat each other up. I mean, I don't think you're going to have a 12 and four team in the AFC North. Really? The, Ra- the Ravens. Uh, do you are- think? You think so? I think between the Steelers and the Bengals. Weren't we just saying last podcast that this is a division that's going to win? The Steelers are a really good team. And if the Bengals win this week, I I think they have the pieces to be really good. They they do have Andy Dalton. I mean, it's been a three-team race for years. Maybe if it becomes a two-team race, then you get a better record. I frankly would be surprised that either the Steelers or the Bengals don't win at least 11. I think they're both... Built well for the season. I, well, with 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 the Bengals, I it's two week or two weeks in. I understand I they look good. I'm not completely sold on the whole operation going 12 and four. That's uh, not. I, you know. I agree with that. John Harbaugh said this week that the Bengals are the most talented team in the NFL. Right. And last week he said that Oakland's defensive line was the best <laughs> in the league, and they did absolutely nothing. So I don't know if it's a head game, but he keeps throwing these lofty but compliments out. Uh, well, the Bengals are a very talented team. Geno Atkins looks like Geno Atkins again. Wait, let's let me just say something. All right, they are. Very talented. They move the ball well on offense. They're 2-0. There's a lot of excitement around them. Team of ATL, the Cincinnati Bengals? No. No, no. you can't do that. Over we, my dead body. We could record this podcast <laughs> for 80 seasons. Who could I try? They never get a chance. The, the Jets, the, 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 Jets, the, Jets the Browns, and the Bengals will never be team of ATL. We already talked too much about the Jets and the Browns. I don't understand why that would have anything to do with it. What? Because I we're supposed to shine a light on a team that's worthy of it. Well, the Patriots it, were basically the team of ATL by the end of last year when yep. I had Sessler and Westland getting into them. <laughs> Wes, let's face it. Your team of ATL, your, your, what you want from a team, it's all over the place. It's no, not, I want them to be – It's not static. No, it's the same as – we want, I want the Fair. 2013 Panthers. It's like uh, – it's, it's always like, moving. Yeah. No, it's, it's always not. moving around. Even like, that team was just be, really about you and They have to be fun to watch. Oh, like and we have Redskins. to be ahead of the curve. Those are I, the two things. I see uh, some similarities um, between your your love of you know fi- looking for the tr- team of ATL and your look uh, your love for look for love. <laughs> I can't get it My out. Love life. Yeah, you know you're looking for love. Sometimes the targets change and there's strange rules to the game. You know? <laughs> what? Strange. You rule. do have some strange rules to, with women as well. It's true. I do. Well, I, I think he's you know, the the flawed woman thing and. If a woman's too nice, she's she must be crossed off the list. Things of that nature. If she walks funny, she, well, you know, you got to have a nice posture. Uh, all right, moving on. The New Orleans Saints. We, we gave that game its due. Yeah, the New Orleans Saints are zero and two, and in deep trouble, especially if our uh, NFL media insider Ian Rappaport's report checks out that he's going to miss. Drew Brees is going to miss multiple weeks with a shoulder injury. For what it's worth, Breezes and the the Saints out of the, out of their camp, they are not budging. They're they're leaving the door open that he'll play against the Carolina Panthers in Week Three. Uh, Breeze quote, pretty confident that he'll play against the Panthers, a Panthers team uh, that is two and zero, tied with the Falcons atop the NFC South. Uh, Mark, I'll start with you here. First of all, if if Drew Brees doesn't play, is this game going to be even close, or, or are the Saints zero and three and goodbye season? I don't know. Look at Carolina as a team that's going to like wipe 
people out necessarily, so it probably would stay close. Even if Breeze plays, he's acknowledged that his shoulder is bothering him and he doesn't have the downfield velocity. Are they better off with... With Breeze sitting at this point, uh, well, the guy didn't. Uh, the guy that's can't fair. even throw right now. Right. I mean, you and then so if you are, you have a talented defense in Carolina that says this guy, we're going to do what they do with 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 Peyton Manning, force Breeze to throw downfield to wide receivers that they don't love, and that's what you make them do, and that's that would be well, a great strategy. It's basically what the Bucks did in the second half of that game, and he couldn't throw deep. The balls fluttered. And they were all over those Saints screen passes after a while, like they knew it was coming. I mean, the Saints defense forced a couple turnovers, got the ball back, and yet, you know, all they're doing is dinking and dunking, and the Bucks are jumping all over. I think the Panthers could absolutely crush the Saints team this weekend, whether Breeze plays or not. I do think they're the type of team. They get a couple things going. They run the ball well. Their defense is playing very well so far this year, not against great opponents. I, I could see them winning this game in a whitewash. Well, and this is the worst defense Carolina's offense will have faced. Yeah, fortunately, this is not a great opponent. Mm. Just another one. <laughs> By the way, this is the big opportunity for the Mr. Star of the Verizon campaign. Luke McKenna. I bet if they just had the chance, some of those backups would really shine. You know, I was thinking about what you were saying last week, Mark, with um, how it was a bad choice, or you were saying on a previous show, a bad choice to have Luke McCown. You wanted someone buried in the deep distance that would have no chance of playing as a backup to keep your campaign safe because there is a lot of money. But then I, I was thinking about it. It's good that it's great from a publicity angle because everyone's referencing the commercial, number one. Number two, now you enter the risk factor for Verizon, uh, which might play to your point, although I don't think that's what you were getting at, that if now if Luke McCown plays and craps the bed, what does that say about Verizon's backup generators? That's very bad oh. for Verizon. Very bad for Verizon. My point would be this. That's fine. You want to get Luke McCown, but then you have to know that the way the NFL works, he's one play away from starting. Your whole million-dollar ad campaign is up in smoke. They should have at least recorded this with two or three other quarterbacks where once McCown's playing, next week on Sunday, they roll out another backup that says, listen, Luke's playing. Here I am. Have a nice time. Like, you got it. They had to have filmed this with multiple other dudes in, or else they made a fatal mistake. In fairness, Drew Brees literally had not missed the game to injury the entire time he was with the Saints for 10 years. So so that's how you do that. We're going to put a million dollars because this guy can't get hurt. We know what? that. I mean, that's not how you do <laughs> advertising, Greg. Sorry. I bet if they just had the chance, some of those backups would really shine. Put put Mark Don Draper. I forgot. Yeah, I forgot one of Mark's 17,000 jobs before he started here was as an ad executive. Well, it wasn't, but it's just common sense. The guy that already got like a Clio and has been celebrated within Verizon's walls, Sunday afternoon will be sitting on the top deck of the parking structure at Verizon headquarters, sitting on the roof with a bottle of whiskey and having like the radio station on for the game. Just looking out at the horizon and thinking about his kid's college fund, thinking about right. did his wife ever marry him for money? Or oh, for yeah, love. Drew Brees. He can't yeah. get hurt. Sick, sick. A lot of pressure, and not just on <laughs> Luke McCown and the Saints on Sunday. So you're saying a, a lane from Mad Men scenario could emerge at the Verizon. Well, that's a little grisly, go there. That's exactly where he was well, going. If you're going to gr- go there, go all the no, way. No, that was a, way, he's man. in like a puddle of depression. You have him hanging puddle off a building. Of that's a little bit different. That was right? Delaware's first album, <laughs> <laughs> Puddle of Depression. Uh, so Con- many first albums for that group. Connor <laughs> Orr, who a little, little tease we might hear from Connor Orr a little later in today's show, he was the only one that took the Saints. I don't know if he's factoring the court. Quarterbacks, or even if he cares, I don't think Connor even pays attention. <laughs> if you look at, if you go on our picks page on NFL.com, you look at the picture of Connor. 
Like he's literally making a face like, I don't care. Well, yeah. and I have some side information. The picks are you know, due at a very outrageous time of 6 a.m. And I know Greg's going to say he could do it the day before, and he's right. But Connor had not gotten them in in time. And we had to, you know, use multiple forms of communication to try to shake Connor out of his day off. And he made the picks in about 12 seconds. <laughs> so you might be right. He doesn't know what he's doing. All right. <laughs> Next up, the Cleveland Browns coming off a big win. Uh, you know, they have their, their backup quarterback steps in and just dropping dimes from heaven. Uh, two touchdowns by Manziel. They uh, they pick up their first win of the season, and now they got the Oakland Raiders coming to town, and people got excited because the Raiders beat the Dolphins in Week Two, and was it the Dolphins? Who they beat? The Ravens. Raiders beat the Ravens. Baltimore Ravens. Ravens. Excuse me, in Week Two. Uh, so you're thinking, oh, the Raiders are good, but still, Raiders on the road. The Browns are in a great spot. Johnny Manziel gets another uh, situation where he can get his feet wet, and instead, this is what we hear from Mike Pettin. He's done uh, everything that we've asked of, Josh of him McCann. in the offseason. Uh, and so far this year, you know, he'd, he'd earned the right to be our starting quarterback. We feel that, uh, that he gives us the best opportunity to win on Sunday. And that was truly the basis for the decision. Josh McCown will start against the Raiders. And, and Mark, I know you're pretending not to be a Browns fan right now, but you are one. So I'll ask you this. This, was a, this is a terrible decision by Mike Patton, right? It's, it's an overly conservative decision, you know, and I, I – Coaches are going to see this differently than, than we do, but I it's hard for me to agree with it because, number one, you're at home, and the Raiders honestly could play very evenly with Cleveland, and I think they could win this game. And suddenly you've taken – there was some there was a Browns fan that made a comment that he had been to every one you? of – No, it was one, every one of these hideous home games dating back to 1999 or whatever, and that last week was the first time in like 10-plus years that he felt that something new was happening, that he felt genuine excitement over – listen, Manziel was not – perfect he wasn't Brett Favre in his prime but there, he was making plays and now you put McCown in and if this if this game goes poorly that stadium is going to revolt mm. I mean it's, it's wouldn't a, that guy have said that after a lot of I mean they've had wins I mean Eric Mangini trouncing the Patriots or Derek Anderson or or Brian Hoyer getting a four and three on Thursday night football it's like I I think that's the sound of a fan that gets too carried away with one one good result I can understand I I Get the idea that they want to go with McCown, that they right. think that he's significantly better at football than Johnny Manziel. I obviously think they know all this about long-term and everything. I think they think it's not even remotely close, that McCown is much better than Johnny Manziel, or else they wouldn't make And much. he was prepared all offseason for it. It wasn't just Pettin making the decision. He talked to all his assistants. I still think, though, from a PR angle, they're in a tough spot. It it's is all, Pettin's it's decision. It's all about the locker room. Mm. He yeah. doesn't want to punt the season for the veteran players. I mean, let McCown fail, then bring Manziel back. That's probably a smoother way. I'm not even saying I, I agree necessarily. Who's to say you know, Manziel wouldn't? I think, the, I think some people in the Browns locker room believe it would be punting. Mm -hmm. I think also if you go – if you listen to the wording, the way Petten said it, it does feel like you, you it's easy for us to forget, but they went through, through an entire offseason program where Manziel wasn't even in the building. Right. McCown is busting his butt, learning the playbook, uh, working hard, and I think Pettin thinks that Manziel, after everything that's gone on with him, uh, good and mostly bad, that it wouldn't be fair to give uh, let Manziel keep the job. But the reason I ultimately disagree with it is I think Manziel is the future, potentially still, of this franchise. 
and we know Josh McCown's not the future, and we know this isn't a Super Bowl. I don't know if he's the future at all, but Manziel concerns me as a starting quarterback long-term. But what you have to find out, and it, whether it doesn't have to happen in week three, but you have to get to the end of this season. You're probably going to go six and ten no matter who's starting. You need to know if you need to prioritize drafting another quarterback or finding one in free agency. You can't have Manziel be a mystery going into another season. It's a great opportunity for the Raiders, too. I mean, this is one of those NFL schedule makers specials. This is how they promote parity. They put two last place teams from a year ago against each other in week three. They give the Browns uh, other bad teams like the Titans and the Jets early, and they kind of know someone's probably coming out of this game having a nice little story early, and, and one of these two teams got to be 2-1 and one to have a lot of hope. Yeah. And according to Way our to picks, the game. we all have the Browns at 2-1 and one after this week, with the exception of Kevin Patra, who has them, uh, the Raiders winning. Moving on, the Atlanta Falcons. Uh, they are entering uh, play on Sunday at 2-0 and atop the NFC, NFC South, and now they head to Big D to face the Cowboys. The Cowboys, of course, without Tony Romo, with the fractured clavicle, enter Brandon Whedon, the man that once got trapped literally under a red flag. So we have <laughs> red, a white American flag. It wasn't a Chinese flag. Well, there was red <laughs> in the flag that he was trapped. Right, that is accurate. So now, Chris Wessling, the Brandon Whedon era begins. Maybe error. Your thoughts on how this could turn out. Well, you know, I, we should really turn this over to Greg since he's now the charter member of the Brandon oh. Whedon fan club. <laughs> Oh, I'm a, a I'm a there. I'm the charter member. Your two the, favorite quarterbacks are on this roster now. That's true. <laughs> well, some of the comments that they said about uh, Whedon's competing for this job, and I told them that everyone on the roster is competing for their job, made me think they didn't bring in Matt Castle there to necessarily sit. That they they want to see what I think. Brandon Whedon's problem has always been maybe. He, some people like what he does in practice, and when he gets out in the games, he freaks out. So oh, I think he looks, right. he looks great in practice. He looks great in the preseason. And then the game start, he doesn't see the field well. Well, he played well last week. And, and I'm a charter member. Well, I'm not the charter member. But I think the Cowboys defense is good enough to win some games on their own. That's that's all I was saying, basically, with Brandon Whedon. That this Cowboys defense is off to a such a I don't think you're wrong. We don't, if we they don't can... disagree with that. Where I disagree is that Brandon Whedon is bad enough that he could his turnovers could put that okay. defense in a really bad place. Yeah. Mark, you picked the Cowboys to win this game. So it seems like you – uh, who initially you believed in Brandon long ago. Are you back in? You're thinking they could do some damage at home and he'll make enough plays for a win. Well, you know, I've mentioned this. I picked every home game, every home team I picked. <laughs> so there wasn't – I just said I'm doing that this week. But, you know, I do. I think with Dallas, it's not that I'm over on Greg's side of this. It's just that I, this game kind of fascinates me because one thing about Whedon, and he is who he is, and there's not much that's going to change that when you're, what, 42 years old or whatever he is. But <laughs> – this is the first time in his career where he isn't starting fresh with a new playbook and new coordinator ever. He's been in this off this offense for oh yeah for a year for plus. For what it's worth, Wade Wilson, their quarterbacks coach, called him the most improved player on the roster during great, the oh yeah great players can develop. Protection. Oh, he's got and, and I just think it's not. Hey, Brandon Whedon has to go out and throw the ball forty-seven times and guide us to victory. The Falcons, you know. To me, this, I was going to ask Greg if I could cover this game because this is the most one of the more interesting games to me, to me. And I do think Dallas has a shot, yes. I They're think. a complete team in, other, in a lot of other areas. It's I'll, not like it's just on the quarterback. I'll be interested to see how the Falcons' offense does against this Cowboys defense because Falcons, you know, last week they go against the Giants. I, I've been impressed that they're really not asking Matt Ryan to do much. Everything is just short passing, easy throws. Uh, you know, then he hits the big play to Julio Jones last week. They, they haven't had the toughest of matchups here to start the season. This this is going to be tougher, I think. All right, moving on. 
we caught me off guard. We finished there, talking about that. Game. Uh, so, you know, this damn internet connection here. It's a little slower than it needs to be in 2015. Rog, should we play a game? Uh, did you have it right there, Wes? <laughs> I don't think you did. No, you did. You did. Yeah, did. Wes. Yeah. The transition. He's back in. He's back in. Oh, it was a little bumpy. Kansas on fire today. <laughs> I know. Jeez. Here we go. Let's play our favorite game. The game that uh, all the kids are talking about. It's like the Beatles in 1962. What's more likely? What's more likely? All right, what's more likely, folks? Brandon Whedon, who we just discussed, posts a passer rating over 100 on Sunday. Or Luke McCown and Josh McCown both win on Sunday. Mm. What do you put the odds of the McCown brothers both winning? Like 10%? It's got to be about that. Because we don't even know if Luke's definitely playing or not, so you got to factor. Come that in and get the win there. in the sixth inning. I yep. would, I would assume. Let, let's just assume, for the sake of argument, Luke McCown is is playing. Yeah, I would give that about a fifteen percent chance, maybe. Well, then that's the more likely one because Brandon Whedon has won one hundred game and twenty one starts, so for a four point eight percent average. Yeah, I'm with mm-hmm. Wes. I'd go Weedon. Well, there's too many. The McCown brothers. There's too many variables. I'm going to go Weedon because he's in a he's he was never been in this situation before. I think he's on a better team than he ever was in Cleveland. And the Falcons' defense has been improved, but it's not the greatest group in the world here. Uh, you know, maybe Brandon Weedon gets a little lucky with like a 11 for 13. 100 yards, two touchdowns performance. Well, and Greg loves to rail against passer rating. Right, and he just thinks any sort of jabroni, you know, any one of us could roll onto an NFL field. No, I just, I'm just saying it's not a good indication if, if he had a good game or not. So right. maybe he'd get a little lucky with some lucky, you know, completions. Throwing to number one receiver, Cole Beasley. <laughs> Greg's like, oh, it's all about the QBR, man. <laughs> it's about the QB index. Oh, that's yeah. QBI. QBI, <laughs> which you could find at NFL.com. Slash, slash QB ranks. So much vanity in Wait, the URL. Wait, is that the That's the, the URL? That was it, yeah. Why isn't it the QB? Why ranks? I guess that's right. That's stupid. a good stupid. Who comes up with these? Oh. That's a stupid vanity URL, society. Let's move on. Here we go. But you should read the article. It's one of my favorite articles. <laughs> what of the a week. sell. He bags Greg's. No, I, I bag vanity the, URL. the URL, not the, yeah, he's not right. the content. Right. The URL makes almost no sense, but the article does. <laughs> <laughs> That's the sell of it. Use that. Put that on a billboard. <laughs> Let's move on. Let's do uh, a nice uh, matchup here. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers are heading to Houston to face the Texans. And listen, you got the Texans 0-2. Bill O'Brien, we don't have to bring it up again, but he really believed in those quarterbacks. But they're oh. not very good. The, bu- <laughs> the Buccaneers had a nice bounce-back performance in Week 2 uh, in a win over the Saints at the Superdome. So they got some confidence and really, I'm going to treasure each one of these Ryan Mallett starts personally. I, I love each of them. I love that he did the Superman thing when his team was down 14 points in the fourth quarter. I love everything about uh, crazy Ryan Mallett, and I hope this goes on forever. But, the, frankly, I think we're seeing one of his final starts. <laughs> it's a great sell. At all. I think Hoyer will <laughs> wow. be starting next week. <laughs> we can't. already know what O'Brien's MO is. Here's the thing. Bill O'Brien boxed himself in here because you can't you – can't Bench your starter after essentially three quarters of week one. You think and then, he's got a conscience about this? He benched his starter. Well, he also doesn't want to look stupid and lose the team because you cannot 
that by leaving the other guy so early, you got to at least stick with the replacement for I would think at least a month or so. You I don't know how not to lose the team. Stick with the guy who does the Superman pose. Like you can't, you can't fetch Hoyer after three quarters and then bring Hoyer back in week four. I'm going back know. to my theory that you just every series you put one or the other out. <laughs> <laughs> that you flip all game long, and you just—that's what you have. You have two. That's happened before. It has, and it should happen uh, again. You know, at the NFL, we can't get into these sort of things. But I, I, I did learn that the Texans are considered uh, heavy favorites to win this game, which surprised me because I think the thinking is okay. They're going to get healthy here against one of the worst teams in the NFL, without considering that the Texans are one of the worst teams in the NFL right now. <laughs> that they that they have some pieces on defense, but I wouldn't say they're a dominating defense. And the offense is bad enough to lose any game. I mean, the Buck its a rare game. The Bucks definitely have the better quarterback in this game. We all, that's something. Well, that is, I it's mean, not happening. I certainly, in a while. do Aaron Foster. By the way, still no timetable. Uh, he said he's waiting till he's 100. percent Over uh, under on how many times JJ Watt hits Jameis Winston in his slow windup? Seven. <laughs> this will also be, as I predicted earlier in the week, the first offensive touchdown for JJ Watt. We all have the Texans in this game, so we think they get on the board and, and win a game. Moving. Well, on. why is that then? Sorry. Why? I mean, it's a, it's an automatic home run. You know, for maybe I'll forget it. Go on. <laughs> I. You know, it seems ridiculous. Yeah. Why do we all pick the Texans? They're not a very good team. Well, I. So Buccaneers are going to go three and thirteen. Like there's no connection between who I pick and you pick. Well, that's true. It's just sometimes it's a coin flip game. That's what listen. That's every once in a while I'll completely slow the show down, and that's no. What I, I like just that. Did. Like out of nowhere, you became really invested in like the picks there. <laughs> you kind of startled you, me. You can change your pick. That's what you do. Go ahead. Now he's taking all home teams. Maybe I'll take one away team and all home teams. I like that. All right. That doesn't have the same cachet. The San Diego Chargers, uh, they are a one-and-one football team after two weeks. They are heading to Minnesota to face the Vikings. The Vikings, of course, got on track in week two. Adrian Peterson actually got the ball, which was a good idea. So now we got a big game. No Ragnar, as we talked about. <laughs> uh, the Vikings will be without their unofficial mascot. But – uh, Chris Wessling, they still seem to be in a good place. This is a nice little team in their building. Uh, the Chargers, we like the Chargers, but the Vikings are the favorites here, right? Oh, I don't think so. I think ah. these are both teams that are about 9-7, and 10-6 and six kind of teams. Okay. It could go either way. Um, I think you have to like the way Adrian Peterson played last week outside of the fumbles. Norv Turner was saying this, or Mike Zimmer was saying this week that he loved the way Peterson ran, and Corey Legit, Chargers defensive end, said he's back to being a number one elite running back. And I think you saw the Vikings defensive line show up at home, and they got to love this matchup against the Chargers because Phillip Rivers, I think, is playing really well right now. Any time their drives got stopped last week against Cincinnati, it was basically because the offensive line either had a penalty or they protected him so poorly they the line got to him in about two and a half seconds. I think he's playing fantastic. Story of Phillip Rivers' career. Pretty much, and that means, and I think this is another tough matchup for them, because otherwise th- there's a lot of good things, I think, about this Chargers team. I like the, cha- I like what did the you, Chargers I meant team. to ask you guys, because I covered this game last week, what did you think of Melvin Gordon in week two? I thought he showed – I mean, when he gets that little burst going, it's there aren't many running backs that have that kind of juice to just kind of hit the turbo button. If there's a hole, he's explosive. He had like three 20-plus-yard yeah. rushes. Yeah. I, I thought he's – it's a fine line because he's one of those backs that, you know, when things are going well, they're like, wow, he's really patient. But then when they're not going well, you're like, go. You know, he'll just – he'll wait he'll wait behind the line of scrimmage and sometimes they'll get to him and so he has some – Big runs, and he has some some problems. He has wow. more big runs, more 15-plus-yard runs than any back in the league right now. But last, Boomer bust runner. He is, because last week he also had eight runs that were 
one yard, zero yards, or negative one yards. So you're right. I, I think the Chargers uh, should look to end a story which surprisingly isn't that big of a story, which is end the Manti Teo era at this point because they've got about Whoa. 15 inside linebackers, and Manti Teo is not good. I mean, he's terrible. Uh, he's he costs them every very week. Very bad in coverage. He, he costs them every week, and every week you're like, where did that big play come from? And it's either him in coverage or him not uh, making a tackle. I know we don't we don't all love PFF, but they had him graded as the worst inside linebacker. Really? So you, he was on. There we go. See, we're on linebacker. the same page on was, this one. I think he was their best linebacker in week one. So, Greg, he's all over the map. You're saying that Matt Teo has a lot of potential, but it's perhaps possible that potential doesn't even exist. <laughs> that was a stretch. <laughs> that was a stretch. Oh, Got it though. Got it though. You know what stinks is that uh. Our guy Ladarius Green was finally breaking out and becoming a consistent part of the offense, and now we find out two concussions in a couple of weeks. He's probably going to be on the shelf for a while. Ouch. We are split on this. Connor and Wes both take the bolts. Uh, Mark, myself, and Kevin Patra take the bikes. Moving on, the Jacksonville Jaguars uh, are 1-1, one and, one, uh, and they are now traveling to Gillette Stadium. they got to play the Pats in Foxborough, and um, you know I'm going to look into the future and tell me if I'm crazy, uh, and I'll I'll look over to the throne of ease for the first opinion. But I think that the Patriots are they look very 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 scary right now, and I think you're going to get a little bit of a fifty burger dropped on the Jaguars. And after the game, everybody's going to be buzzing about, oh, is this Patriots offense the the best Patriots offense ever with Tom Brady? Is this a team that could break the points record? I think the buzz starts here because Gronk looks like 2007 Randy Moss in terms of unstoppable playmaker. Well, their aggression and like the lack of conscience that Brady has and just th- them wanting to just pile points on is very 2007-like. I, I will agree with you. On that. I don't think it will happen this week, 50-burger. I think this Jags as a team defense is decent and will – Well, they're not know, as them. good as the Bills defense. I don't know about that. And the that. Patriots could have put 50 on the Bills easily. But are they going to be as aggressive, spreading them out five wide, you know, the whole game? Who knows? Maybe, maybe they will be. I don't think 50 points from the Patriots is too tough of an ask. I mean, it really isn't. It's tough to do. <laughs> is it? They is, were awesome. That is a very tough all, ask. No, it isn't because I think New England is going to continue to do things that we just see no team doing, and, and this is a good spot for it to happen. I, I It's funny because Belichick like, went out of his way to compliment Blake Bortles, as did Matt Patricia, the defensive coordinator. They really liked what they've seen from him. And I think one reason you don't get to 50 is if Jacksonville's offense finally – if they're not, if he's not going to get sacked all day long, that last week he was protected and he had a best game of his career. I, I thought Bortles, when I went back to rewatch it, uh, had one of the best games of his career. And just throw, you know, he's a little like Roethlisberger in that they go that da- they're not a dink and dunk offense at all. They go down the field, and this is the team to go down the field. That I mean, at some point people are going to realize it's not a good thing that Bradley Fletcher and Deron Harmon and Patrick Chung. And all you know, and Terrell Brown comprised this second. It's not a good well, secondary at all. Go after. Here's him. the problem, though, that the Jaguars are going to be down fourteen nothing before Sully uh, finishes his first beer. And what's going to happen is then the whole world's going to know the Patriots uh, or the Jaguars are going to have to pass, and they'll be able to tell their defense that way. I I just think the Jaguars are walking into, like, a terrible situation, and it's going to be ugly. And they're not the last team to do that in Foxborough this year. I mean, it's – they're – What's special about the Jaguars in this situation? And no. th- again, this game. There's Allen a, Robinson. 
Allen Robinson, good. He's going to have – he'll have 98 yards and a touchdown, and they're going to lose by 30 points. We all obviously took the Patriots. And, Greg, wouldn't it be awesome, 589 points that 07 Patriots scored? If if now, all the way in 2015, if Tom Brady was in charge of another offense that that approached that land, you wouldn't know, that be so awesome? That would be cool. You know what that 2007 team was missing? What? Deion Lewis. <laughs> Gronk. <laughs> oh, yeah. So we have a um, – I wish I remembered his name. But we have a listener that is a musician and is recording his very own Throne of Ease music slash sleaze. Oh, really? So I'm hoping we'll be getting that soon. He's in the studio. It's going to drop soon, and it might it might, and probably will become the new Throne of Ease music. That's exciting. You guys think I'm joking about Dion Lewis? No. He's off the charts number one in PSF's elusive Wait, rating. so you're saying you like Dion Lewis? He's this forced is more missed tackles than any player in the NFL this year. They they should have draft well they couldn't they should have signed him instead of drafting T.J. Yeldon. Better not fumble this week though. It doesn't I, matter. I know you say it doesn't matter, too, but it will matter. He's too good to take off the point. field. Uh, all right, let's move on. Another two and and0 team in the AFC East. Yeah, baby. The New York Jets are at home. They come home after a great win on Monday night against the Colts in Indy, and now they face a desperate Eagles team. Zero and two, just a dreadful offensive performance against the Cowboys in Week Two. So they are in a really tough spot. And, uh, you know, I will say this. Uh, as a Jets fan, it's it's okay to be really excited right now. We don't get to be 2-0 too, too often. But this does have all the hallmarks of a classic Jets letdown scenario at home where people are starting to get behind your team and talking them up. And now you got an Eagles team coming in here. The Jets have weird, one of the weird stats of never beaten the Eagles ever, 0-9. Hmm. Not that that matters, what? but, yeah, in the history. <laughs> The Jets, are, the Eagles are the only team in the NFL that the Jets have never beaten. Mm-hmm. Again, it doesn't matter, but uh, just worth noting. And here are the other things I'm worried about as a Jets fan. Darrell Revis has this groin issue. We don't know if he's going to play. I assume he'll play, but he might not be himself. Chris Ivory has a quad and a groin issue. He seems very iffy for the game. And Eric Decker, who, who looks so great out of the slot, really in week one and week two, uh, has a knee sprain that he suffered in the fourth quarter against the Colts. So he is also iffy. Uh, so you, those are three major players for them. It's just uh, I, I'm a little nervous about the game. I got to be honest. Well, you should. There shouldn't be any scenario at this point that I think the Jets should be considered a heavy favorite against anyone except for the very worst teams in the league. The Eagles. I, I just am not ready to think that this is a total disaster. They weren't a total disaster in Week One. People are overreacting to one just unbelievably terrible game. But the two years of Eagles offense that we've seen, I think, means more than the week that we saw last year. And I think they're going to get on track at some point. Why not this week? There is a stat out there that shows Kelly's first, I think it was 24 games in Philly, are that blowing the doors off offensively, but the last seven are significant, or a significant drop-off. And again, who knows what that means? It's, it's matchups and it's game-to-game. I don't think people are catching up to this offense necessarily, but it seems like the parts involved, there's so many new parts, they're just... I, I'm not counting them out either, but they're not fresh. They're not working together well right now. And you said it yourself, like Sam Bradford's play, what happened to the guy who seemed kind of refreshed and aggressive in the preseason? He's playing like Ram Sam Bradford. I think he's had only three passes over 20 yards 
three attempts over 20 yards, all incompletions. Everything's been mm-hmm. short. He's throwing to running backs and tight ends, ignoring his wide receivers. And you remember two years ago when Nick – every time you looked up, Nick Foles was heaving at 50 yards to Riley Cooper mm-hmm. and blown coverage, and now they never go downfield at all. I think one difference is the line because that's oh, – That's, that's right? one of the reasons why they're not going down. It's like you're, it, Bradford – who knows what's going on with them psychologically, but they have, what, 70 yards rushing over two weeks. This is meant to be a run-heavy attack. And they just their foundation of their offense is not working. Is it going to happen against the Jets, who have the best run defense in the league? Jet, the Jets' defense obviously has looked great early on in terms of forcing turnovers and swarming. Uh, how about the possibility that another slow half by the Eagles, and they've been terrible in the first half this season, uh, if they put Sam Bradford on the bench, you have Mark Sanchez in the Meadowlands for some revenge. Oh, my gosh. I, I think it's possible. Sounds like a what's more likely question. Sam, <laughs> well, Sam I Bradford. think it is, so – Sam Bradford, in fact, it is, should take that contract (laughs) offer. Stomped all over it. (laughs) Stomp, stomp, stomp. (laughs) You better take that contract offer the uh, Eagles gave to him a few weeks ago. I wonder if that's still sitting out there. I bet it's off the table. Well, he's this year's Brian Hoyer. Just take the money when they're offering it. Especially in this case where it was $14, $15 million a year, or maybe it was $12 or $13, whatever it was. I mean, getting benched for Mark Sanchez, if that happens at any point, I mean, he's not going to get half of that. That's the worst decision since Evan Mathis has to be cut. The how, only How about when B.J. Raji turned down $8 million a year? Ooh, I remember that. Yeah. <laughs> Bad move. What about Doug Marone? We should have a bad decision like Mount Rushmore. <laughs> Doug Marone's number one. Doug Marone demanding <laughs> yeah. uh, some type of like raise by the Bills, and they were like, no, see you later, buddy. And now he's the offensive well, line no, coach Ra- of like, the Ragnar's number one. Ragnar. Ragnar's number How about one. When, Ragnar's, when we, uh, Ragnar's top. A lot of people don't five. know this. When we initially um, offered the host job for this podcast to Kevin Patrick, he was like, no, guys, <laughs> going to it. Chicago. I got to work out. Can't conflict with my working out regimen. Yep, takes uh, about three hours a week. Can't we, work out. <laughs> uh, Mark, uh, myself, and Patrick all took the Jets. Uh, Connor and West took the Eagles. I, I can't believe this is almost like an afterthought, but when you've rushed for 11 yards and 21 carries, uh, maybe you're not the, the chief of the game plan. DeMarco Murray has a hamstring. That's better. Or, That's good play. news for the Eagles. Ryan Matthews might finally play. All right, and that takes us uh, to our next installment of What's More Likely? Stepped all over this one, but that's all right. Sam Bradford is benched for Mark Sanchez or Ryan Matthews runs for 100 yards on the gang green defense. I'm going to say Sam Bradford is benched because I thought he should have been benched in the fourth quarter last week to give to have Sanchez give him a spark or see if he could at least give him a spark. I'm going to say Ryan Matthews because, as you can tell, I'm, I'm thinking positive about these Eagles. I think they do get it turned around this week, and if they put themselves in a winning position, you can see them running the ball. Maybe he rips off a 70-yard run or something. It's tough to run against the Jets, but I think the Eagles are going to take care of business. All right, well, I picked the Jets to win, and that, that ties to the fact that I don't think the Eagles are going to have to a fast start, and I love the idea of Mark Sanchez. Having to deal with the Jets' defense, that is sexy. I like it. Let's make it happen. I, and I, I think there's no way, though, that Sam Bradford is going to get benched because the genius, uh, Chip Kelly, so proud of all his decisions, sending off half of his offensive line, cutting all these good players. He's not going to admit defeat this early in the season. Even if the whole season goes down in flames, he's going to say Sam Bradford's my guy. This is Dan's favorite week ever. Whenever, you know, the Eagles are just a big well, old trash heap. Your Rex Ryan is my Chip Kelly. Well, you're allowed to have one of which, those. Which it makes for a, a high-stakes Sunday afternoon for you because it would be a crushing 
uh, loss to lose to Chip Kelly at a point when you've got his team down and almost out for the season. Chan Gailey can't genius. step on the brakes this week. You, your team could be the one that just rips the genius label off his chest. Oh, that's so... You could bury that team. Think about that would be you, amazing. Dan. It's not the Jets. It's you. No, that's what I'm thinking. <laughs> Weaver's chip. That's what it's all about. Well, Let's move <laughs> forward. Very creepy. Okay, it's Thursday, which means it's our time for our little special time of the show where we have a great man in the studio with us. He is none other than Andrew Siciliano of NFL Network. You were talking about me when you said great man? You're great man. I... I... I'm flattered. I'm touched. I'm moved. You're great, man. You're the only one in this room. <laughs> How are you guys? Hosted three hours of live television on the air. No script. You, you told me it's all just free freelancing. Uh, you guys don't script your podcast, well, of course. Yeah. I do feel, even though it's um, you know, pull back the curtain a little bit. We pre-record those around the NFL NFL Network hits. But when I throw it back to Andrew and he takes it from me, yeah. Somehow that chemistry is still there. And Even you, if it's and not what organic. I always say That's is I tease the podcast. Yeah, you, you have. Because you say, don't forget we have the podcast three times a week, right? Yep. And then I say, and I'll be on that Said podcast. podcast. Here you are. And, Here yes, are. Andrew is the host of Around the NFL and NFL Network on five days a week. Check your local listings. <laughs> Mega show on Thursday because you have the big Thursday night football on the air for hours. And you, know, you just blow through it. It's three hours on uh, Thursday starting at 2 p.m. and every other day starting at 6 p.m., all times Eastern. Okay, so very good. Let's get into some games. you want to talk some football? Let's do it, yo. All right, let's start with a uh, – I like that yo. Throw a yo in there, a little urban. <laughs> I know, the Dan-Andrew like chemistry. Wes and I are just sitting here. It's, it's I put it in the category of dangerous. Is it palpable? <laughs> I'm marveling. It's, it's uh, I don't know. We're just learning. Wes and I just sitting here. Brandon, can we just turn off the mics of Wes and Mark? Uh, did you? Great. Why not? Just make it. Did a, you a catch on CNN this week when the Pope landed and they? I'm not making this up. They asked someone to describe the scene, and they said, "This excitement is amazing. It's palpable. <laughs> it's palpable. It, it, and and wait, uh, palpable, palpable, papal, pal. And it, it was a tongue twister. But they actually just said it was." Palpable. I'm actually not aware of any <laughs> news items anymore because I don't sit near you in the office. That was, you were pretty much my news source, just you blurting out random headlines, and now I got nothing. Now Greg just lost in a fog now when it t- comes to current for events. For those who don't know, all I do is yell things. <laughs> Andrew is a vessel for news of any sort. He is. All right, why don't we start in uh, the AFC South, a big matchup here. The Indianapolis Colts 0-2 after, let's face it, an embarrassing loss at home on Monday night to the Jets. Now they take on the Tennessee Titans. And you have Mar- Marcus Mariota came back down to earth a little bit and a loss to the Browns, but still uh, reason to hope in Tennessee. And meanwhile, Andrew, we'll start with you on this. This would they started 0-2 last year, the Colts, but this would safely qualify as a nearly must win scenario, right? I think it is, although that division still could probably be won at not it. Can 8-8 eight eight win that division? Sure. 8-8. Eight and eight. So if 8-8 eight and eight win the division, then I guess it isn't a must win. But I hate to say I told you so. Have I not been telling you for two weeks the Colts aren't any good? Oh, that's true. You, you have did. been. Yeah. And, and not any good is a vast overstatement. But <laughs> their, their deficiencies came out against a very good Jets defense. Let's be Thank fair. you. Their deficiencies came out yet again. Now, I don't. I can't imagine them losing to the Titans, a team they've beaten, I think, seven consecutive, and last year scored like 69 points on them in two games. I, I can't see them losing this game, but uh, there, there is trouble afoot there. Wes, when you look at the Colts, and we talked about this on a prior show this week, but what do they need to fix to turn this around starting Sunday? 
Well, they have to stop. To me, the biggest thing is stop shooting yourself in the foot every time you have a big play with a penalty. They've had more big plays called back on penalties than any team I can remember. So you can never get any momentum going. And then I think Andrew Luck has always been a good quarterback against the Blitz until this year. So they have to fix that, too. I think he's, they, they he's lead rating the under league. pressure. I'm sorry, 35, right? Wow. Rating this year when yeah. pressure. He has the worst passer rating in the NFL right now. They, they wow. lead the league in giveaways. So I think that's probably not going to be the case all season long. I mean, things have not gone the way. But you're right. Every time Frank Gore seemed to charge ahead early in the Jets game for 9, back. 10 yards – Coming back, and then their own Frank Gore's, you know, fumble. Like they're just doing uncharacteristic that, stuff. You bring up Frank Gore; is a perfect example of what they need to do. They need to calm things down, feed Frank Gore the ball. He didn't get the ball enough against the Jets. Make put the offense through him. Let Luck get comfortable again. Let the offensive line get a little confidence, and away you go. You're going to score points. You're not facing a great team here. You were looking at me. Uh, no, Greg, go. I don't want to. No, cut I, everyone I was going to say. I mean, you mentioned the struggles versus the Blitz. Pagano said there's blood in the water on their struggles versus the Blitz. I like how he mixed his movies there. Yeah. yeah. He, he went with backdraft and Jaws. But <laughs> but he's right, and he's going up against a team run by Dick LeBeau and Ray Horton who, lo- who love throwing some blitzes at you. And you said you can't imagine they would lose to the Titans, a team they've taken care of. I mean, the Colts are a bad team right now, and they're on the road versus another team we think is going to be pretty bad early in the season. This is the right time of year to face the Colts, and you would think this is going to be a competitive game, and you think that LeBeau and Horton are going to be very aggressive and cook up some confusing blitzes, and it's not Luck who isn't recognizing him. It's the offensive lineman. Did anyone – what did anyone think of the – and I know Chuck Pagano backed off on Tuesday. I wasn't only going after my quarterback. And by the way, I don't care if you do. I mean, any coach will tell you sometimes you have to go after – the biggest guy in the room to show the team that they're accountable, that they sure. all have to be accountable. I'm I do that with, with that. Mark all the time. Clearly. It shows to the Clearly. other guys, if he's going to take on that's Mark, right. yes. anyone could. That's take. right. That's right. He's not immune. <laughs> Sessler isn't immune. However, when he threw out the it's not trigonometry, was that – tell me if you guys read it how I did. I read it as a, hey, smart guy. Yeah. Don't be so stupid with the football. I read it as telling reporters it's not that hard to figure out what's what's wrong with the Colts, and that's another way to read it as well. I did, I didn't read it as a, I did, I under, I didn't understand why everyone thought he was taking shots at Luck. I didn't. But he backed off on Tuesday a little. Well, bit. maybe because of trying, the way it was reported sure. and, and put I out there. Calm it down a little bit. I Look, thought he was taking shots at Grigson. Having Andrew Luck is a high class problem. <laughs> right, it's a high class problem. A lot I, of people would love to have it. I do like it. Does say something about Pagano that the the highest form of math. In like the most complicated thing you trig. can think of is trigonometry. Trig. That's where it all ends, right? right. In just, tenth in tenth grade, when you dealt with triangles, just stick with <laughs> rocket science. I know yeah. it's a little rocket. played out, but just say it's not rocket science. Hold on, quick, rocket oh, surgery. Okay. Quick story. Hold on, rocket surgery. Who said that? I did. I, it's in a okay, movie, isn't it? because <laughs> I was going to say when Paul Pasqualoni, God bless him, man near and dear to my heart, a man who is only featured for a few scenes in Hard Knocks, now an assistant with the Texans. Right. But when I was a young reporter, was the head coach at Syracuse, back when they recruited real players and were not ruined by Greg Robinson. All right, let's okay? stay on track here, Andrew. I'm going to stay on track. <laughs> Hear me out. Coach P one day looked at the, at, at the assembled media and said, listen, guys, I'm not a rocket ship scientist, <laughs> but that's <laughs> the greatest of all time, rocket a rocket Mark, ship scientist. Mark, this might yeah. come as a surprise to you. Okay. Because sometimes this does. But you picked the Titans to win this game. You, you're you picking the Colts to go 0-3. Yeah. Uh, tell us why. Because I don't. I think that it's it's a little bit 
we're hearing that the AFC South is this automatic six wins for the Indianapolis Colts. And I look at the Titans team this season completely different from last year's, and it starts with Mariota. He got beaten up last week, and I think, yeah, the Colts can try to do the same thing. But the Colts don't have that personnel. That's That might be Cleveland's strength was what were they were able to do against Mariota. It's not going to happen every game. Mariota did not play a terrible game outside of getting whacked no. around with some of those sacks. I mean, he continues to look like a legitimate quarterback, and that's something the Tennessee has never had during the Andrew Luck era. Home it, opener here for the Titans. Yep. They've had to play two straight on the road. This I mean, uh, Andrew Luck, did you pick him for MVP? Well, yes, I did. Well, my point is, I'm not calling you out on that. I'm just. Saying, I wasn't like, alone. Like, I, oh no, four of us did, and I, it did. doesn't and look I, good. And I, all I'm saying is, if if Andrew Luck is going to be really good this year, if the Colts are going to win even eight games, I don't think they're going to go zero and three. I feel so. Uh, this would be if if I were in an, another field in my life, this would be my lock of the week. Ooh. There is well, a lock on the board, however, this week. This is not it, but there right. is a lock on the board. That right. I'm going to win three sandwiches for Andrew Luck not getting a single MVP vote? That's looking pretty good right now. He is <laughs> the most valuable player if you just go by value because without him they are nothing. Mm. Well, they're, They'd they're, be wait, in line for the number one pick. What's your lock of the week? Well, yeah, wait. Uh, let's it, out with it. There is a lock of the week. Let's there is out. a mortal lock of the week. <laughs> Drum roll, please. And it should have been. I, By the way, I let Wessling talk me out of my love for the Steelers last week. I knew I had the Steelers should last week. That. Don't listen to me. I don't but, know. No, but was it you that was telling me about the Niners played better than anyone wanted to give them credit for and they were going to give them a game? Who? That one of you guys me. said. I was saying a blowout and everybody thought I was crazy. You'd blow out for the Steelers. So you were right. Steelers are going to blow out tonight. Okay. Way to get, way to get that. And I should have been to, with you clarify. more because yeah. all of America, by the way, got yeah, I, I don't know. Hey, we're going to take the Saints. Come on. That was the one lock of the Ooh. week. It should have been in retrospect. The one lock of the week this week is was- Jimmy Clausen at Seattle. Oh, oh yeah. Well, right. Do we even it, count that? It, 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 if, are you kidding me? Yeah. That's- Seattle, if Seattle wins by less than three touchdowns, I would be surprised. Uh, that seems fair. All right, let's move on now. We'll talk the San Francisco 49ers. Why not? Nice transition there. You can't just give that information away for free, Andrew. <laughs> what, what am I, a bad Saturday morning radio show sounding like Vinny from Queens? <laughs> no. hey, oh. uh, yeah, the Niners got killed by the Steelers uh, on Sunday, and now they have to go to Arizona and face the Cardinals, who are 2-0, and looking really good, Greg Rosenthal. And uh, Bruce Arians uh, gathered his team in a meeting on Wednesday and told them, you ain't mm. Yeah, Evidently, you know that answers my question. Can you curse on the podcast? Well, it's going to have to be bleeped out later, and, and you just made an enemy <laughs> who, just, who just made a symbol that could not be shown on TV. Oh, that's the one Akeem Ayers did with his ring on that's, Twitter. Okay. By the way, that is a quote from a coach, Brennan. I had to do it. Uh, Greg, I ask you, the Niners, they seem like they're heading into another buzzsaw to me. I don't, I don't think so. I think this is a, a team that's just finding itself, and they ran into the best vertical passer in the league last week, and they tried to get too fancy, confusing Roethlisberger, and they confused themselves. This is another very tough matchup. Another good vertical passer. A, a similar vertical passing team. And I, I'm looking at this team in the Cardinals. We like everything we see here so far. And, and it's like I don't want to wait for them to go 3-0 and to make them the, the team of around the league. I'm in. Let's just do it now because I don't like – you know, I don't like that we have to wait till uh, a team has a great record to pick them because, you know, newsflash, it's like buying a stock high. Then the, the likely outcome is they're only going to go 500 or something the rest of the year. Well, Let's gra- just do the card. Well, it's not brave to, to do it before they beat up the Niners, who probably stink. 
I'm, I'm not ready. There's if a couple goes, teams I no, like no, right now. Still. If it goes beyond week four, you three yeah. can have a nice time with it. I'm not. Oh, involved. I'm with you. I'm in on the I'm Cardinals. Well, you said you said you. No, I like the Cardinals, but I have a couple other my eye, and I might might be pitching one soon. You just okay. I just I, I, I disagree that. with with Greg a little bit. The sense that this that I don't think San Francisco is going to hang around in this game. Arizona's the scoring the second that, most that points. That they were going to hang around with Pittsburgh. Sure, I was wrong, and I learned a lesson from it. They got their they got their butts waxed. <laughs> Ew. All right, so it's like nice this time around, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna stick to that point. It's Kelly not right. Clarkson. It was wrong. Wow. I, Arizona is putting up like 39 and a half points a game. I mean, they're a scoring wait, machine. Wait, 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 wait. Do you, do you count team. a seven touchdown effort against the Bears? And a lot of that special teams and defense. Right. And I, did, have, did you watch San Francisco's secondary last week uh, against another good passing game? I mean, they got absolutely trained. angry. But what do we love about the Niners secondary? My point is they had a great week one. They had a terrible week two. Like many teams, they're going to go up and down throughout the year. I don't think we have learned a heck of a lot of them, but I, I could think they can have a good game. Why not? I like the Cardinals. I, I'm not ready to. As do all of us. I'm not ready to, quote, Denny Green, crown them. However, um, they go to 3-0 and here. Let's, let's say the Seahawks get to 1-2. and I could easily see the Steelers winning in St. Louis, um, which drops the Rams to 1-2. and This is a nice little um, September lead here, potentially, that we're talking about Sunday night in the West for yeah. the Cardinals. Well, and Carson Palmer, right now, you, we were talking about yesterday, we, he looks like he has better movement than he's mm-hmm. ever had, which is bizarre coming off another ACL, and he's throwing the ball great. He definitely has more talent around him than he has in about a decade. We, he, he's looking like a top five or six quarterback. We were worried about how he would look coming off of ACL surgery and how their offensive line would look with so many holes. They're one of two teams yet to allow a sack, mm. and I don't think Carson Palmer's been touched this year. Feed David Johnson. We that said guy, it last more touches. Yeah. That guy's a high-end athlete. Feed David. Well, Arians hinted that that was going to happen. I mean, they're, yeah. he's going to have a bigger role each week. Let's move on to the AFC East, where the Buffalo Bills got humbled, obviously, by the New England pa- Patriots, who hung a 40-burger on them. Now they head down to South Beach, or where would it be? Where is, is that? Miami Gardens. Miami Gardens, <laughs> yes. excuse me, to face the Dolphins. The it's Dolphins. no, But I'm glad you said it's nowhere yes. near South Beach. Right. Dolphins like, fans it, are quick to point that out when we yes. put South Beach in their Dolphins stories. It story. is, is nowhere it? near South Beach, One thing you need which to, is overrated. <laughs> Interesting. Uh, both teams, great steakhouse. Down. A lot of Florida hot takes. You know what I'm talking about? Uh, oh, yeah, Prime 112. Yeah, that's very cool. Place. Very um, both teams 1-1, one and one, so whoever loses this is in the basement in the AFC East. Mark Sessler, what are you thinking, baby? <laughs> well, I, I picked the Dolphins, and I, I don't – Are you sure? Yeah, I am sure. I mean, okay. I, I picked every home team this time to make it easy, so whoever's at home, that's who I picked. <laughs> but I look at Miami, and I just think that, like we just talked about with the, with the Niners in terms of going up and down, I, they're like a 9-17. and 17. They're at home. The Bills – the Bills, with their defense, could disrupt and probably wreck any offense if they have a good day, but I just don't think they're Here, the same team on the road. Here's something to keep an eye on, and the reason I took the Bills is uh, Rex seems to have uh, Miami's number. Uh, the last few times, even with bad Jet teams, and I think the last two Week 17s, the Jets went down to Miami and really shut down uh, Bill Lazor and Tannehill, and I kind of see that again. He's got a better team now with him, and I th- I don't know. I'm not sold on Miami by any stretch, and I also don't like, and Andrew, I don't know what, what, what you've heard about this or what you think about this, this Indomitian Sioux uh, subplot about freelancing on plays and perhaps not being in on their defensive scheme and some, some stuff cooking, and we all know Joe Fieldman might not be running a tight ship. Your thoughts on that? Uh, 
I guess let, let me ask you this question. <laughs> I, I, yeah, I'm, I'm not I'm not going to look at the film and try to figure out what the heck Indomitian Sue is supposed to do on every play. That's not my that's not my bag. But let me ask you this: If we have a quarterback, all right, a quarterback who you give sixty million dollars to, yeah, wouldn't we be talking? about how the coaches need to tailor what they do to fit the skills mm. and yep. and the upside or whatever, the benefits of what this quarterback brings you and what you just paid $60 million for. Sure. So so shouldn't I be trying to tailor my defense to what Indomitian Sue does? And maybe they are, by the way. And maybe they entirely are. That's not me, Westling. That's you. You, you tell me what he's doing right and wrong here. But I, I don't know why this has to be something salacious week two because they lose to the Jaguars. I don't think Kevin Coyle is known as one of the greatest defensive minds in the NFL. Former Syracuse assistant, Kevin. <laughs> Olivier Vernon hasn't done anything this year. Cameron Wake is hurt. You know, Sue made some big plays in run defense last sure. week. I mean, he made a third down stop that got him the ball back with four four or five minutes to go that, that essentially could have won them the game. I'm, I'm a little more worried about their offense because they can't run block at all. Uh, and they and can't, they can't really run at all. And then they don't really have a number – you know, you, Jordan Cameron is iffy for this game as we're taping this. Stunning. They don't really have a number two receiver. Jarvis Landry is making the leap. Don't they I have mean, six number two receivers? Isn't I, that the I, issue? But the, right now they have one number one, Jarvis Landry, who who is making the leap more than I would have expected. I mean, he's doing everything in the run game. He's just so tough. Uh, he's getting vertical a little bit. He, he's a great player right now. But after that, Kenny Stills is doing nothing. Devontae Parker's not healthy. Greg Jennings is kind of a waste of space. And Shard uh, Matthews is playing really well. Shard Matthews – I, I think their offense needs to step up this eight week. and eight. That's you, what they're well, going. Well, you hit on the problem. It's the offensive line. Yeah, Greg. When uh, to cycle back to the Bills, your latest QB index is out. Mm. We all love the QB index with a vanity URL. With a vanity URL, real metrics bomb that you drop every uh, Thursday. But uh, question: You have Tyrod Taylor. I think he dropped a little bit this yeah. week. Well, what did you see from Tyrod? Well, I saw that about a fourth quarter <laughs> padding of stats. Yeah, when you took away <laughs> when you took away the first read, you know he had a little bit of. RG3 uh, issue, which is he panicked a little and he just held the ball forever and he didn't trust his receivers. They, they loaded up to stop the running game against the Bills and they still couldn't do it, but he had three receivers on the outside, one-on-one, and he didn't trust them. He didn't trust his arm to make the throw. Everything was a check down in the first three quarters. Yep. Am I the only one that thought that Rex sold us a, here comes the pun, bill of goods last Ooh. week? He did a lot of selling. Uh, I mean, yes, I agree with you. <laughs> Sir, Rob Gronkowski, first play off the line. Many lost him, lets him go. I, I yeah. Mean, what, 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 what was this you were selling me all week? Next-gen stats proved that out, that um, Stephon Gilmore single-covered him on the touchdown, and then on the other six receptions there was – no secondary defender within seven well, yards. I, well, I guess sounds, King Kong was inactive. <laughs> well, it sounds great that you're going to have all these plans for him, uh, but then you line them up all over the field, and you don't let the subs come on the field because you're playing so fast, and it's up to the players there to figure out who's covering who, and they can't figure sure. it out fast. Sure, and that's a great point. I mean, give give the Patriots credit. They, they ran, I believe, 148 plays in, in that game, <laughs> and they, they kept the Bills on their heels, but there was something – and listen, it's only two games. I would like Rex Ryan to coach my football team. He gets his team to play. They play good defense. I love me some Rex. But there had to have been a post-game deflation there. Mm. No oh, yeah. joke. And I was not a Patriot shot there. I really don't mean that. But just in general with the, <laughs> all right, well, 
Yeah, I guess we still can't beat the Patriots. Uh, what was all that talk well, for? By the yeah. way, we just gave up 40 points. We got stamped. We just gave up more yardage than any Bills team had ever given <laughs> up to a quarterback. It could have been 600 yards. It could have been. Wes, you also took the Dolphins. The rest of us uh, took the Bills. Hey, uh, Mr. Brandon McGinnis, uh, would you mind uh, uh, getting us ready? Because, Andrew, you want to play again? Sure, we playing a game. We're playing a game. We're playing a game. None other than. What's is this a Bob Barker pricing game? <laughs> Similar. Okay. Let me give you two options. Plinko? For those new to the show, two options. Uh-huh. What's more likely? Yeah. It's pretty simple. Okay. What's more likely? The Bears win in Seattle or the other one. <laughs> Monday Night Football doesn't show a montage of Alex Smith, Aaron Rodgers draft in 2005. It doesn't matter what the other option is. The Bears will not win in Seattle. You want my – and listen, I, I work there. I love them. I have a soft spot for them. I want the Bears to do well. They have given up 218 points in their last seven – the seven-game losing streak, dating back to last year. 218. That's 31 points a game. In comparison, the 85 Bears, when they went 15-1, and one, gave up 198. Mm. All right, so 20 fewer. If you add the three-game playoff run – they only gave up 10 points in those three games. So 208 points in in 20 games. No, in 19 games. All right? Nin- <laughs> this team is not good, and they're starting Jimmy Clausen. Jimmy Clausen has one career victory as a starter. Can anyone name against whom? That's more than Brody Croyle. Yes. Well, it was as a Carolina Panther Saints. in 2010. Yes. yes. And... He has only beaten John Skelton in his career. <laughs> oh, my God. I love uh, He's a Skelton nice guy. Has- well, I'm going to disagree because I have to – I absolutely believe that if you're ESPN, they've already put together the montage of Alex Smith and Aaron Rodgers in the draft. You know that's going to get mentioned 100 times. So if an asteroid fell on the Seattle Seahawks, yes. the Bears could win this yes, game. Yes, I think, I think it is the Bears because that's a one in a 200 chance. It, Are you something an crazy could happen, and and I agree. There's absolutely no uh, chance I agree that they Andrew. avoid the Alex Smith, Aaron Rodgers. Yeah, it's a hundred percent. I agree with Andrew. There's a better chance that there's like a technical snafu on the ESPN side uh, in the truck, I, and they don't get to run the montage. I mean, if the Bears win, I will walk home. <laughs> Both require disaster scenarios. Yeah, I will walk exactly. home. Uh, Andrew, I don't know how you're going to get home now. I'm sure it won't be walking, but if if you are walking, I want you to be careful. No jaywalking. <laughs> Uh, you know, they give tickets. Street they laws. give tickets for that here. Andrew likes to do the shared Uber and just see what happens. <laughs> That's how he meets people. It's fun. <laughs> Andrew Siciliano is the host of the Around the NFL television show. He's standing at all times. That's one of the big hooks. Is that a of short show? Uh, no, not at all. Okay. Uh, very impressive. Nice suits as always. Monday to Friday on NFL Network. You also. Of course, you're a bit busy on Sundays doing what? Uh, the Red Zone Channel on DirecTV, Channel 703, 1 o'clock Eastern Time, 1 800. Uh, get sports. That guy's Look a pro. That. Andrew Siciliano, <laughs> a way better host than me. Thank you, buddy. I highly do. <laughs> All right, moving on. The Pittsburgh Steelers oh, just decimated, dropped a bomb on the San Francisco 49ers in week two. And now they head uh, to St. Louis to face the Rams. And we can't figure out the Rams. They. They play great and beat the Seahawks, and then they lay an egg against the Redskins, and now they go home to face the Steelers. So it really 
what, Greg, what do you see here? I mean, do what version of the Rams are we going to have? Well, no, let's see. We'll have great hair, but we don't know anything else about the team. Well, they're not a team that's going to play well from behind, and they fell way behind early in that game. Maybe the Redskins showed something that if you can get a running game going against them, that, that defense, the pass rush is not going to be as good. Nick Foles did not look very calm under pressure at all, but I don't know if the Steelers are the type of team that's going to give a lot of pressure. And you're indoors in St. Louis. I think this is a, a very tricky matchup for Pittsburgh. They gave Colin Kaepernick a lot of pressure last week. Stephon to it. I fair. mean, Ryan Shazier, there was a there was a phase there between the second and third quarter where Shazier was making every tackle behind the line of scrimmage. And to it, it was just as disruptive in the first half. They had a good one-two punch there. I thought the Steelers were the most impressive team I watched in week two. And by the way, Le'Veon Bell wasn't even on the field. He's back. And I – Pittsburgh, for me, they're going to have probably a couple games this season because they always do this where they just don't show up the way you think they will. And maybe maybe St. Louis in St. Louis with that defense can slow them down a little bit. But this this is an interesting matchup because Pittsburgh, to me, could be the highest scoring offense in the league if it's not New England. This is the this is maybe the best possible matchup of a defensive line versus an offensive line in the NFL. That's how good Pittsburgh's playing, e- even with the injury uh, at center. And I, I still think St. Louis at home with that defensive line is as hard as it gets. Yeah, I think they're a lot faster at home than they are on, on natural, mm. natural grass like mm-hmm. they were last week. Something to keep in mind. Um, Big Ben said this week that the Steelers are going to keep going for two after touchdowns. And if they do follow through with that and they do it again this week and they do well and convert them, this could start a revolution. I think Steelers could be the one that that gets everybody else to do it if they start to really have success with it. The broadcast team, Fox's broadcast team, quoted Mike Tomlin on this issue. And they said, Tomlin said, we feel like it's worth the risk. It justifies the risk because we think we can do it more than 50% of the time. And it starts more than 50%. Which is very logical. I would totally expect them to convert more than 50% of the time. It starts in practice, and they talked about the fact that they want to practice it more than any team in the league. And I bet you, because some coaches just, it takes years for them to catch up, probably half the league isn't practicing the two-point conversion more than they ever did before, which is not much. Pittsburgh buried San Francisco early with those two-pointers. I yeah. mean, they put them in a place they couldn't They're get out of. Sixteen nothing, right? They don't trust their kicker. That's part of why this is happening. But it's a fantastic strategy, and more teams should do it. Uh, Todd Gurley, by the way, says, "I'm ready this week. We'll see if he makes his NFL debut." Moving on. Oh, by the way, we have uh, ooh a lot of uh, the Rams are taken by the Sessler, Mr. Sessler, and Hansis. Ooh, and Wes. You and I are... I'm not oh, taking the Rams, Oh, no, yeah, you're taking the other side, taking the Steelers, Connor. I have no Wes, faith in the Rams, Patrick. so I couldn't believe that I'd take them. Yeah, I don't know. I just think they're a lot better at home. That I think something be. weird's going to happen. I'm not, yeah, I picked every I'm home. I'm definitely not taking a Nick Foles team over a Big Ben team. Uh, moving forward, two winless teams here in the NFC, the Chicago Bears. They're bums! Uh, are heading, and without Jay Cutler, of course... <laughs> Uh, Timmy Clausen will be the starter. Are heading to Seattle uh, to face the uh, the Seahawks. Also owned two, of course. The big news out of Seattle this week was Cam Chancellor ended a holdout that accomplished absolutely nothing. Bupkis, uh, and all he got out of it was missing two games that his team lost both games. He's facing two million dollars in fines. He didn't get a raise. That is how you. That's like Ragnar level uh, mess up in terms of uh, <laughs> you know contract dealing. Hold Ragnar. He says uh, Cam says I know I can play this week. We'll see if he plays or how much he would play. Uh, but this would seem uh, you want to talk about uh, teams that are really in a bad position week three. The Bears, Greg, are one of them. Jimmy 
Jimmy Clausen. There's a Timmy, <laughs> Matt. <laughs> Jimmy, Matt. yeah, Matt, Matt Clausen here. You can. I've seen so many different stats where they come up with a different way to measure the fact that he's the worst quarterback <laughs> in the last ten years. It's always like you know QBR with you know guys with over five starts or you know it, like here's he's zero and twenty against whatever it is. Jimmy Clausen's got you covered in terms of bad stats, and John Fox knows <laughs> it well. Seahawks are gonna roll here. We don't really need to get into this game too much, right? Does anybody have a point, a relevant point? Well, now, I think, honestly, Cam Chancellor coming back is a huge difference for this team. Like they, The amount of big plays they were giving up over the first two weeks was compa- was like almost half, I think, what they gave up all last season. They were not a, they were not the same defense. They rank near the bottom of the league in almost every statistical category. Chancellor alone doesn't change that, but even just – I listen to what the players are saying, the, the stuff, that the way they respond to his return is that it's more than just he's a run-stuffer. I'm not saying I'm re- I read st- I read occasionally. You've got you've got your ears. Yeah, I read. I, you know, like the, I know yeah, what you the know, players that's right. are saying. Like the, well, it's, that's like the rest of you guys. You're just talking amongst you know your pencil pushing writers. I'm on yeah, the ground. Well, you guys I'm on the ground with the players. You guys like what's for lunch? Where, where are we going up for lunch? And I'm like I got you know I'm listening to what the Seahawks defense is saying and it's giving me clues. <laughs> They're going to be good. They're going to kick this team's butt. How about right. that? Seahawks gonna, are going to win. I'm going to say something nice about the Bears since Greg called them bums. Okay. Pernell McPhee was a great signing. He's playing awesome. And a guy who was on our making leap list a couple of years ago and was an absolute bust for the Redskins, Jarvis Jenkins is playing well for the Bears. Hmm. That was that was an old uh, swing and miss from me, Jarvis. Greg with Jenkins. his hands in the air. As I if remember. You, that was a victorious, you know, <laughs> victorious like, yeah, making Jar- leap. I didn't know where you were going with this, but yeah, number that 36. That was a passive aggressive shot at you in case you were paying attention. No, I don't care. <laughs> we nailed it. Number 36 on our list. <laughs> nailed it. Two years later. It's time. <laughs> making the leap simply needs to say sometime over the next half decade, yeah. someone's going to be impressed with this guy. This player will have a good game at some point. All right. Speaking of winless teams in desperate need of a win, the Detroit Lions on Sunday night football. Football will host the Denver Broncos, who uh, you know get a nice uh, get a nice uh, away road away game, excuse me, against the Lions team that will be um, maybe I think we'll probably see Matthew Stafford, but I don't know if he is going to be anything close to him at 100. percent And let's face it, even a healthy Matt Stafford, you don't know what you're going to get at this point. He's all over the map. Bag of cats. He's so inconsistent. <laughs> uh, so here are the Broncos, and we the one thing to take out of this, and and Wes, you you can get us started. Gary Kubiak said this week of his offense, there was a lot of talk after they switched over and played a more Manning-friendly offense that led to that comeback win over the Chiefs that they would abandon Kubiak's attack. His quote: "You stay committed to what you believe in." So what does that mean, Wes? <laughs> it means he's the ship on the Titan. He's the captain of the oh. Titanic. What the, I mean, what the heck? Mark nailed this one last week. Kubiak's not the kind of guy. Who, he's got an ingrained system he's been using his whole career. He's not going to fit. He's not going to mess with it to suit his talent. And it seems like the worst possible decision to me. You have to let Peyton Manning do up-tempo shotgun. I, I, for me, if you're John Elway, you're not a GM that never played. You played the position of quarterback, and you you single-handedly know when you went and got Peyton Manning that you're going to get him for the end of his career and what it means to be an older quarterback trying to win a Super Bowl. So you go out and you blow up Adam Gase in that offense, and you go get Kubiak. Did you not have a conversation that said, if this isn't working, are you going to potentially think about the fact that we have to put Manning in the best possible position to win. You can't fit him into a rollout-based Gary Kubiak offense. Well, well, we'll see what they actually do, whether they mix a little bit of up-tempo in some of the run game. The problem is, I think John Elway imagined 
the offense that he was in at the end of his career where he did not throw the ball very much and they relied on the running game. Yeah. But right now the running game and the offensive line is not very good. So none of this makes any sense or works unless C.J. Anderson and Ronnie Hillman are ripping off a lot of runs, and that's not happening. They're only running the ball 33% of the time right now where I think it was 47% is Kubiak's career average as wow. a coach. So that tells you, A, you're, you're not, it's not effective, but that changes everything. You've got, you can't be stuck in a box. The Broncos are going to go 8-8 eight and eight or 7-9, and nine, and it's going to be the end of Manning if they don't get flexible here. I think this is their easiest matchup so far because the Lions' defense is not playing particularly well. This is, this is their first home game, I believe, so may, maybe that helps get them healthy, but they haven't, they're, just not, they're not what they were at the defensive line. That was what well, made them special. You could point in, in Dominic and Sue, but DeAndre Levy hasn't played. Right. So that's two sure. of the ten best defenders in the league last year haven't been on their on their team, and um, I don't expect to hear too many Terrell Austin interviewing for head coaching opportunities after this. Season. Wes, are you disappointed, <laughs> upset, uh, whatever that Amir Abdul only has 13 carries through two weeks? I'm not upset. No. I think that I think that number will rise, and he didn't do anything to deserve more carries last game. Well, this is the worst possible matchup for Matthew Stafford in an offensive line that that reminds me a lot of what we've talked about with Denver and Philly that they're not recognizing assignments. I mean, every other uh, play, Stafford's getting hit by a guy who comes in free, and then you see two offensive linemen blocking one guy over there. So it, it's a. T- I mean, I love this Denver defense. I think it's going to be the best one in the league. Mark, you and I took the lines. The rest of the group took. The Broncos. That's shaky. <laughs> well, that's factual. What Dan said. No, I mean it's it, no, you know that that true. could go totally south. Who knows? <laughs> yeah, I, I, I wouldn't. Good. I can't pick against the Broncos' defense in this game. Finally, Monday Night Football. The Kansas City Chiefs get the longest possible break um, that you can get without a bye. Thursday to Monday uh, <laughs> after a crushing loss uh, at home. Interesting. To the, what's that? Well, I hadn't thought about that. That was good. They are like well that. rested. The crushing loss of the Broncos uh, last week, and now they have to go to Green Bay, which really, when you when you factor that in, and now they go to Lambeau in primetime, and you know what's going to happen here, uh, that makes what happened against the Broncos doubly crushing. Mm. That you already had this almost uh, almost a permanent marker and L coming up the following week, and it changes the entire season. Instead of a two and O playing with house money type game, now you're in a bad spot. So you're saying Jamal Charles fumble was the most important play of the entire NFL season? So far, I'm going to say it. Uh, wow, I think to so this point that well, was it far. changes the it, the league thinks this is a good team. They put them on prime time twice in three weeks to kick off the year. If you got a chance to get the Chiefs on prime time, you have to. You got to do it early. <laughs> Well, we didn't hear any more talk about the aggressive new Alex Smith in that Broncos game. That's because, fair. Because a lot of things, I think a lot of people that play the Broncos, they're not going to have time to be aggressive. But it was back to the same sort of dink and dunk, 5.5 yards per attempt, just hope hope for the best. I think this this Chiefs defense has been impressive, though. So Absolutely. It's a tough matchup for, for Aaron Rodgers, not that he... Your boy Jay Howard is anything. playing lights out. Justin Houston had six tackles behind the line of scrimmage. Left. Justin Houston, who no one wants to acknowledge exists. You know yeah. what we should do? We should do making the leap after we've seen them you know, play and start making the leap. Jay Howard making the leap. Well, Don Terry Poe is going to get his job back at some point, right? Well, you can give him – you know, you give people snaps. I have a really weird feeling about this game. I really do. I uh, I came really close a, to picking still, the Chiefs, uh, and I still might. Sessler? I do. I still might pick the Chiefs. I, it's not that they're the better team on any level, especially in Green Bay, but I just feel something strange. I, I just will happen. say, from an editorial standpoint, Greg, I know you're the editor-in-chief of Around the NFL. 
Mark's throwing out a lot of these. I might be changing my picks. It's it's locked. It's on a website saying that Mark is picking these teams. What about the readers? Do we care about them? Well, that is one of the, the reasons I dropped out of this whole thing. Not one of the top reasons, but all the, the changing of the picks. And oh, I think it was a prime reason. Back, backroom politicking uh, just drove me mad. You're a big well, I think what happened was Greg won That's last true. year. You're such a phony. Greg it's wanted so, to do Elway. That has true. nothing to do, though, with you picking games. No, but it was just annoying. I didn't. That would happen regardless if that was a situation. What? There could be backroom politicking whether no, or not you're picking. No, well, but now I'm not dealing. You're with still it. talking about the picks just <laughs> as much as you did last year, and you did your little hey. helicopter John Elway spin that- into the end zone and won last year's competition, and you retired. That, that, you didn't want you, you didn't want to feel vulnerable, that's, and that's so you, you marched away. And by the way, talk about a phony. Dan throws out the, <laughs> the phony word, and I quote earlier today. Oh, I don't care about the picks. I don't care that well, you guys. I don't care at the all. Picks. You, yeah, you they don't mean get. anything anymore without you. But you were saying you didn't. Santa Claus isn't real. You said it was actually a good thing for the show. You've taken the beating heart out of what made exactly. picks fun, and, and it's not, now it's it, a corpse. It very We've much lost our innocence. A part of our job now. This whole just conversation just guaranteed just guaranteed another week of tweets. <laughs> Hit up Greg at Greg Rosenthal. <laughs> Tell him you want him to do the picks. Two G's. G R E G. Hashtag Save the Hero. You killed the child and the man. I shouldn't have brought this up. You said you didn't even care. It would improve. I, I would have cared to, if you were still involved. Trying to bring back the hero. <laughs> then come back and be a hero, Greg. All right, that's it. Hey, um, one last thing. You know, those are the picks. We all picked the Packers, of course. We didn't even talk about the Packers. Yeah, they're going to win. They're going to score 40 points and win. They're like right? a Tecmo Bowl team. It's almost yeah. boring. Keep an eye on Ty Montgomery. They tried to get him a lot more involved last week, and he looked good after the catch. Mm. All right, before we get out of here, let's, uh, as I alluded to earlier in the show, we want to get Connor Orr on the phone. And, uh, Connor, are you there? I'm here. Hey, I'm what's up, Connor? How you doing, buddy? I'm doing well. How are you? Good, good, good. Uh, the reason why we have Connor on is because – uh, we we use this um, IM agent called Slack at the office here at NFL Media. It's good because it keeps us connected, not just in the office here in Culver City, but also with uh, Connor in New Jersey and, of course, Kevin Patra. Well, you've also been contracted Town. to do commercials for Slack with their famous tagline. Oh, yeah. Quit slacking. Sign up for Slack today. <laughs> that, I have not pitched that to them yet, but I feel like that would that would potentially be a moneymaker I could see it on T-shirts. Uh, you that could millennials get Luke McCown wear. to endorse it for you. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um, so anyway, so on Slack today, uh, Connor, uh, let us know an around the NFL exclusive. Connor Orr, tell us what happened during your lunch break today. Well, um, I will say that uh, I was at Cadoba and uh, RG3 came in. It was pretty awesome. Uh, Robert yeah, Griffin I, III, the Washington Redskins backup quarterback. Yeah, I mean, you know, just not a person that uh, that you'd expect to see at Cadoba. But I will say, and I followed up on this. I'm a good reporter. Uh, just uh, one of the nicest guys in the world. So mm. really, uh, mm. I, you know, because you hear certain things. You know, everybody's always saying stuff. But totally, totally cool demeanor uh, at, at the fast food mm-hmm. restaurant. And then today, now that I'm live at MetLife Stadium here, uh Humble came right up and, and gave a nod and uh, and said hello. Really? Oh wow! So you introduced yourself to him at the Kedoba. And those that don't know, it's a Mexican grill restaurant. This was at the Short Hills Mall uh, in Short Hills, New Jersey. Correct, Connor? Yeah, didn't introduce myself there. I just you know I wanted everyone to have a nice lunch and you know. Oh, you, so. so you came up to him today at the game and then said, "Oh yeah, and how about that sandwich earlier?" <laughs> I, I didn't even mention it. Just 
he uh, just very nice. What did he, he said, How, how's everybody doing? What and did he then, order? Um, you know, I, I couldn't directly confirm that, but I would say some sort of bowl because it's pregame, and so I'm, I'm sure right. you don't want the flour. And yeah. you know, because, no, he's not going to play. He doesn't have to yeah, play. Yeah, you got to. Kid eats starts before you're inactive. <laughs> <laughs> and I, you, uh, you know, so I, I would think mobility would be a concern there. So, I, but I, I would get some sort of bowl. Uh, he doesn't have to know. worry about being mobile today. <laughs> to stand on the sideline. Hey, you never know. Also, one other thing, I did a little reporting myself. Uh, Connor obviously carried the heavy load, but I went on the mall at Short Hills website and saw that there is no subway uh, in that food court. So uh, Robert Griffin III in the clear there. Yes, yeah. Um, and But there is uh, uh, just a wonderful Aubon paint. So I saw yeah. that. Okay. <laughs> All right, so there it is, a Around the NFL exclusive RG3 on Thursday before the Thursday night game against the Giants. Um, Ada Kedoba got possibly a burrito bowl uh, and seemed to, to be a very nice guy. All right, before we let you go, Connor, a good reporting there. Uh, we just want to what's going on with the uh, the Madden franchise team? A lot of people are curious what's up with the team, what's the latest, and and I and I have to say that um, uh, Griff Whalen, who of course in real life is kind of a nobody on the Colts, he had some nice uh, touchback catches. Uh, on Monday night against the Jets. Uh, so I'm curious, maybe just a little teaser. How does, how's Griff Whalen doing the face of your franchise, the rebuilt Patriots? How's he doing? Uh, we're just so proud of him. Uh, last <laughs> week he broke the NFL record for receptions and yards in a single game. Uh, wow. <laughs> How many? 30, 31 catches, what? 556 yards, and four touchdowns. And – on top of that, here's a here's a little hint for next week. In practice mode, we found a running play for him, so uh, the shift in grip is going to be on in full force. Connor, a man caught between two stages of life. Uh, he's he's still a young, young guy, post-college, 26, 27 years old, has a mortgage, and yet plays Madden so much that he's playing in practice mode, preparing for f- not real games. I love it. <laughs> as uh, as coach says, you know, on the Cincinnati. So, you know, we got to we got to do it. So, we yes, thank you Connor uh for joining us and and, and uh enjoy yourself uh, tonight at the Meadowlands. That's Connor Orr, our New Jersey correspondent with the big breaking news and I'm sure a little later on, maybe a few weeks from now we'll check in. What's the name of his team? Uh, the Madden team. Well, it's the Orlando Patriots or something. Yeah. Well, no, there was some there was some debate whether they were going to. They're in New England still. Oh. But they are looking at a potential relocation to Houston right. to, to join to have a two Houston team situation or Orlando. They were the Columbus. Uh, Columbus was another option. Well, they, they were the Columbus Aviators. I, Aviators. I, yeah. My the, favorite part of all this is all of this would be happening and probably has been happening for years independently of us asking about it. We just happened to find out that it was <laughs> <happening>. <laughs> And those, any, if anyone's in the dark, Connor uh, was an avid Madden player and he he set up a universe whereby all the, all the charges stuck on the Pats and they had to reboot the entire franchise ownership on down through the entire personnel. So he took on the project. So he rebuilt the team and Griff Whalen's the face of the franchise, and they might be moving to Orlando. Um, all right, that's it for another edition of the Around the NFL, another supersized edition of the Around the NFL podcast. Uh, we'll be back on Sunday night, of course, with our big show of the week, the flagship show, the Sunday night recap, where we'll hit up a uh, reaction to all the Sunday games, including the Sunday night affair. So make sure you uh, tune back in for that because – 
Greg's also going to have a big secret, a big reveal from Greg Rosenthal on Sunday. What? That was well, just play along. It'll get people to come back. And the, <laughs> the uh, so that's it. Uh, this is Dan Hansis signing off for the Quiet Storm, the mailman, the boss, the Irishman doing a great job behind the glass. I see you, D'Angelo. Everybody's done a great job. Props to D'Angelo. Till Sunday. You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. This is Amy Brown from Four Things with Amy Brown. Today, Healthier is happening at CVS Health in more ways than you've ever seen. It's wellness destinations for seniors, including select locations with Oak Street Health and CVS Pharmacy. It's doctors, nurses, pharmacists, and everyone in between offering quality care and support virtually in person, and on the phone. It's in-home evaluations through Signify Health and meeting mental health needs through Aetna. And those are just a few of the ways that Healthier is happening. To see more, visit cvshealth.com slash healthier happens together. CVS Pharmacy, Oak Street Health, CVS Specialty, Signify Health, and Aetna are part of CVS Health. Eligibility and services vary by location and individual. If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union, a savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA.